Welcome to the Trading Raw Stories Podcast. I'm Rita Pira, the host with the most inspiring stories that you ever did hear. Back in the day when the day was back, I was known as the juicing queen. I became raw vegan overnight after watching a documentary called Food Matters. Changing what I was putting in and on my body didn't just make me lose weight and have great skin, it gave me mind clarity, more energy, and over time made me so self-aware and intuitive that I vibrate on a higher frequency and level of consciousness that's turned me into a manifesting queen. I've lived like nine lives and have amazing stories to share that may inspire you to leave that guy you're with, quit that job you hate, start that business you've been talking about forever, and at the very least, you'll probably start saying yes more often. I'm your talent like you need to hear it and make you do it, sister from another mister. I've lived quite the life and have stories for days that have inspired women and transformed their lives in real big ways. So I created this podcast to share my insane and somewhat unbelievable stories with the world to reach whoever needs to hear them. I'll bring on people with stories to trade with me and I'll even have some live coaching sessions from listeners calling in. You're here because you were meant to find this podcast, this community, these raw stories. There are no coincidences. Everything happens for you, not to you. And I am so glad you're here. Welcome to the Trading Raw Stories podcast. It's Rita. I have a real, real, real super sweet, delicious, amazing, wonderful treat for you today. Your mind is going to be blown. This is going to be the most epic conversation. I just know it. It's with somebody that I met on Instagram. We connected. We vibed. We didn't have much of a conversation because I like to keep it raw and real. And I was like, shut up. Don't say anything else. I don't want to know. Zip it, lock it, put in your pocket like I told my fifth graders. But who I have for you is a human by the name of Nova. Nova is an artist who boldly moved to New York City during a goddamn pandemic. And she's an out and proud Chaldean trans woman. Her motto is to always evolve her spirit, her goals, and her perspective. And if she can help just one freaking person realize that they're not alone in this world, then she knows she's on the right path. And that's why she's here with me today. And that's why we're having this raw ass conversation to help as many people as possible. So without further ado, here's Nova. What the fuck is a badass? Hey. That is the first thing that came to my mind when I saw you on Instagram. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I was like, I have to know this human. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I like beyond excited. I'm so happy to be here. I just lost my mind over you right now because I just walked in the house and I was like, oh, oh, oh I need my laptop. Oh, where's my speakers? Oh, here's my headphone. Oh, where's my microphone? Oh my God. And I'm like, let me fix my face real quick because she's going to show up like a goddamn queen. <laughs> Stop it. You are a queen. Look at you. I was just as excited. I'm pretty badass. Yes, you are. I am pretty bad. I am pretty yes, badass. Yes, you are. As soon as I saw your Instagram, I was like, oh my God. Wait, shut up. I was like, well, in a, in, I mean this in the best way, like in the most like complimentary way, like, oh my God, who the fuck does she think she is? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yes, bitch. I got you. All right. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. You know why? Because back in the day when the day was back, I'd be like, no, stop it. And it's like, damn straight. I'm fucking legit. I'm so dope. That's a good answer too. I love that. (laughs) 
Did you create that that phrase back in the day when the day was back? Oh, did you heard that from my podcast? Uh -huh. Yeah, I think I did actually. It's so clever, and I was like, "You said it the first time." I was like, "What the fuck did she just say?" I have to process this. What did she just say? <laughs> okay, I get it. Awesome. I'm gonna ask her about it though. <laughs> back in the day when the day was back, that is my thing. Yes. Always say it. Yeah, I always say it. So we have a mutual friend, and. She posted something about you. And when I saw that it said Cal my Chaldean trans BB or something like that. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Who? Huh? What? Like, exist, I, huh? I was like, no fucking way. We're not even. Here's the problem. I'm so sorry, but not sorry. This is the truth. We were literally raised. You're Chaldean. I'm Assyrian. Same shit. Different. Different. Whatever. Different title. Yeah. Thing, same thing mm -hmm. it's the same we're ancient babylonian mesopotamian back in the day when the day was back whatever right mm -hmm. that's we're we're cut from the same cloth let's not yeah. be hating each other and fighting and whatever they're doing bottom line is we're middle eastern mm -hmm. and middle eastern women are raised a certain way that's more strict than your average woman and i'm not trying to draw lines here and say like asian women have it easier or black women have it easier than Middle Eastern women. I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. We all have a struggle. We're all women, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just mm -hmm. put that there first, okay? Because mm -hmm. I love you all. Please don't come for me. <laughs> I'm not going to read the comments. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, I hear what you're saying. Everybody's got their own. Yeah. Yes, but being Middle Eastern. So here, this is why we're doing this episode. Because we want to shine a little bit of a light on our experience as Middle Eastern women, the fact that you came out as trans is fucking mind-blowing. And the fact that I'm saying fucking is going to drive my mom crazy. And all her friends and all her family, they're going to talk about me till I die. Mm -hmm. Like, this is just the way it is. It's really sad. We're not allowed to marry outside of our race. We're not allowed to what go ahead tell me come on talk to me tell me There's about so your much tell me tell me because i'm There's assuming so you had the similar experience so you tell me your experience ready set go tell me your story i 100 percent think I, I i know what you're saying yes um so as far as like my story goes i just want to echo what you were saying like we share the commonality of being women and being oppressed by men in general and on top of that we're put in a box and we live in America where even as Middle Eastern individuals, our box is not a box to check. We're Caucasian to, to white people. Oh my God, that's true. Standardized tests. It was always, we were not listed on there. We're white Caucasian or you could choose other. And I say white people because yeah, till this day, till this day. Yeah. And people don't realize that we have very strict customs, very strict um, heritage and uh, things that you have to abide by if you want to respect your family. I swear, you know, I've been through it with my family um, even before I came out as trans. Um, so for me... I need to hear that story. I need to know yeah. when you knew that you were 
female or woman. I don't even know the appropriate way. So I really, I want to tell you, I don't mean to offend in any way, shape or form. If I ask you a question or I say something the wrong way or not the respectful, appropriate, like politically correct way and whatever, I'm learning. (laughs) I don't, I know, but anyone who's listening, like I'm learning, this is new for me. I'm being as respectful and as like all the things as possible, but also I am raw and I'm real and I have no filter. And I'm probably saying and asking the things that you are thinking that you're afraid to say or ask. Cause that's just me. Like I'm just that real. Right. And so just know that I'm always coming from a place of love. I'm always coming from a good place with good intentions. I mean, no offense. I mean, not to hurt you. And if I ask you or get you to talk about something that you're not comfortable with, just pump the brakes. Like tell me straight to my face, because I always tell people, it's like, you know what? The one thing with communication is if you don't tell me how the fuck am I going to know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a good mind reader. I'm super intuitive. I can read people really well, but I, at the end of the day, if you don't tell me, how will I really know? Yeah. You well, know? as a trans person, I'll tell you this, that we as <laughs> in, and probably one of the very few things that I can say about um, generally about trans folks is that we have no problem telling you when, when uh, we're uncomfortable with something or when uh, we're dope. not talking about something. Good. We, you know, we're, we're kind of the epitome of living your truth. So I we love have no problem so being much. vocal about that. That's why when I saw you, so I saw, okay, so she posted something on her Instagram and I was like, wait, what? Huh? Huh? What? And then I ended up on your YouTube video and the title was like Arabic coming out as trans what was the title um being arabic and coming out as uh, coming out trans i have never in my life seen or thought i would see those words put together in one sentence and that stopped me dead in my tracks i was very curious and mm-hmm. i was like this isn't how 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 yeah. because i can't mm-hmm. even date a black guy without being freaking hung or something you know what i'm saying it's really sad And it's like, oh, you want to respect your family. You want to respect your upbringing and the church and all the things. But I haven't gone to church since I was a kid. I don't even go for Christmas. I don't like, look, I have my book right here, Jesus Calling, right? And I have another book that's called A Course in Miracles. And I'm like very spiritual. I believe that there's a higher power. I believe that there's energy. There's the universe. There's the law of attraction. There's all the, I definitely 1000% no, I'm supported. There's a higher power. There's a higher something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. And so you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it God. You can call it the universe. You can call it the divine. You can call it source energy. You can call it whatever you want, but you cannot deny that there's something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for you to tell your family, just being Middle Eastern in general, to go against what they believe that they were raised to believe so hardcore. Like we went to Sunday school. Yeah, I went to catechism. Wow. Yeah, I, I did the Qurban uh, and everything. Wow. Yeah, it was like, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. And now you're seeing this trans person use Arabic words. Isn't it weird? It's, yeah. It's mind blowing. <laughs> it's crazy. And you're so pretty, by the way. You, I just wanted to tell you, you're pretty. <laughs> you pretty. Yes, I know. You're pretty. <laughs> so I did a little bit of creeping. I went super far back into your Instagram. I went to the very original, the OG picture, because I was mm-hmm. like, I want, I want to see when this happened. Uh-huh. I was like, yeah. I was so curious. I was like, because when you go back to your Instagram and you go all the way, all the way back, it's not you at all. There's no, almost nothing of you. And I'll go into this because not only there's a lot to battle just on the front of me being Middle Eastern, but there's a lot to battle um, with someone of my identity 
with society in general, um, which is even more dangerous than, believe it or not, than Chaldeans. <laughs> uh, wow, really? Um, yes, yes, in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense. I mean, we, trans women, especially trans women, of, uh, black trans women and trans women of color, we have the highest death rating. Um, we're murdered very actively throughout the year. Actually, if you look at my Instagram, um, I started it this year. I compiled a post and shared it to my story and saved it to us a, a highlight. So there's a highlight specifically to show you the death tally. Uh, so each person that has died this year that is trans. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a crisis. That's heartbreaking. That's so sad. It's like, why can't people just leave people alone? Like, why can't you just live your own life? Do you? And why do you care about what anyone else is doing? I can't imagine what it's like to be afraid for my life. I mean, granted, I'm walking around too in like crop tops and shorts. (laughs) I'm like, I could get, you know, murdered at any minute. Well, there is the the common, uh, there is the fact that as women, we share that experience of unsafety by patriarchy and men. So we share that in general. Um, It's just that there's a special stigma and special shame attributed to our existence that um, makes us more vulnerable than the average woman. And that's because um, shame, shame, shame is the culprit for every bad thing. You know, what's crazy. I love that you said that because shame is, is really (laughs) at the core of everything that, blocks us as Middle Eastern women too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's the root of all, of all mm-hmm. control of humanity. It's the root of why people mm-hmm. do bad things to people, why hurt people hurt people. I hate that. I hate that that's a thing. That's so, yeah. But because of that, um, my Instagram, I used to have a lot of photos of me pre-transition. Um, and that was you know, I, I had a whole life, a whole person before all of this. And whether that person was the real person or whether I'm the real person, that's a lot of, that's what de- people like to debate about. Um, I am who I am right now. This is who I am. I have a lot of pride for my past. I really do. He did the best he could with that body and he did whatever he could to survive. And sometimes you have to, I think that's sometimes what some trans folks lack is being able to have that perspective because dysphoria, body dysphoria, which is kind of like the main reason I could go on for days in explaining these things to you. I want to pick your brain a little bit about what you just said, if you don't mind. So you said he, you're referring to like your old self as he, Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, it was you living in a different shell. Like, yes. So it was like you're trying on a different outfit, but it didn't feel right and it didn't work. So, so you, you had to like, almost like a snake sheds its layer or sheds its skin. You're like, this is not working for me. This is not me. And you have to shed that. Yes. Yeah. For multiple layers, every one thing to know that I, I can't stress enough is that every trans person is different from each other. We all have a different experience. We have a lot of similarities, especially with how we may transition or how we may start off or 
obviously, you know, there's a lot to relate to when it comes to two people in a room. You, you never know what you can relate on. Um, but it's important to understand that no trans experience is the trans experience. So yeah. I may be, I may, you know, have my own experience, but it might be different. And that might look different on another trans person. You know, some, some trans women are very empowered without surgical procedures, without anything, you know? Right. And so that has a lot to do with dysphoria. You know, we have a lot going on that I, I could literally spend, I could give you novels of, of our experience. What do you think would be the most powerful thing of your story to talk about, to share? that would empower people who are listening? Well, for me, it's just that. It's telling my specific experience because I think, as you touched on it before, uh, you were so surprised uh, to see someone who is Arabic and Middle Eastern and- um, Because it's not allowed. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. No, it's, it's very hush-hush. It's very hush-hush. I have family members right now that would be- extremely upset. So they don't know about you? Oh, oh, they all know. Mm -hmm. Oh, they all know. I, I don't treat anybody like they're stupid. No, they're, they all know. Um, so let me give you a little bit about my, my, yeah, let's start from the beginning. So tell me, tell me when you knew that you were in the wrong, like, shell. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit more complex and I'll start when, um, where I grew up. Okay. So I grew up in Michigan, and my parents split up when I was three. That's not common either for Middle Easterns to, to split up. No. So I had, I had um, basically my dad took my mom from Iraq and migrated here. Uh, and I lived with my mom until maybe about 14. And so you know how the whole Middle Eastern culture goes. Usually the, mm-hmm. the, the woman takes on the family of the husband yeah. and kind of leaves the mother, the, the mom's side of the family. So that's what I had here for um, till now. That's all that's in America is my dad's side of the family. My mom's side has migrated elsewhere, but uh, we won't go into that. So I, I grew up and um, not only feeling different and feeling very, um, I, I grew up very reserved. I was kind of sheltered. My mom, is one of the most powerful and empowering and resilient people that I have ever met or ever, um, you know, she, I love her so much. She did everything that she could. You sound like me when I talk about my mom. Well, she, it, it took, it's a, it's a journey, you know, both me and my mm-hmm. parents, we've clashed heads for so long. Um, mm-hmm. but, and I, but I've always loved my mom and appreciated what she has done for me. And, um, that doesn't come without the struggles. My mom, because of that, as a product of that, she was very selfless and gave up her life pretty much for me. And um, even till this day, it's a very yeah. like, what can I do for you? And um, I, I love her so much. And everything that I do is so that I could eventually pay it tenfold for her and my family. I can't with you right now. I can't. I can't with <laughs> you right now. You literally sound exactly like me. I have the same exact relationship with my mom. She is that same human who will give the shirt off of her back for mm-hmm. you. She does everything, bends over backwards, puts herself not just last, but like beyond last. Like yeah. if you're in a packed car, she'll give up the front seat, the back seat, and she won't even like take the trunk yeah. if someone needs to like sit in the trunk. That's yeah. her. <laughs> 
my mom is the same. She's so selfless to a fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sad. It's sad. It's sad because she's actually landed in um, a lot of unfortunate situations. So you know how we're talking about our moms right now and how they are. Mm-hmm. I am exactly like my mom. Yeah. In relationships now, like every relationship oh. I've had, I realized that I am doing what my mom does. I oh, give man. and give and give and put myself last. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's, that's codependence. That's, <gasps> <laughs> I'm codependent yeah. as fuck. <laughs> yeah. No! You know, it's, it's, I, I'm not diagnosing you, not at all. No, <laughs> no, 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 actually, I, I, I mean, kind of know that I'm reading a book called permission to put yourself first by Nancy Levin. She's mm-hmm. going to be on my podcast, by the way. I love that. Ooh, <laughs> good for you. Yes. Hey, yes, flip yes. that hair. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Good for you. You know, our, our attachment styles, um, what we learn comes from our parents. So that, that hundred percent makes sense. I took, I've, have a lot of traits of my mom. I look almost exactly like my mom when she, when I, me too. And I grew up looking like my dad. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that I went from one end to the other end of the gender spectrum and, and turned out looking like my mama. And <gasps> that's crazy. Yeah, it is. I love is, that. Yeah. I was always in between. So, you know, with that, it was an overbearing relationship as a teenager, um, being, part of the queer community. Um, so the only thing that made sense to me, because I was in a Middle Eastern culture that's heavy on toxic masculinity, that's heavy on like expectations on children. Yeah. As my, I put in my video before they even come out the freaking womb. Like there's just so much that families of Middle Eastern backgrounds put on their kids that when I was born and grew up into adolescence, the only thing that explained my feminine my innate femininity whatever I was feeling on the inside whatever was going on the only reflection of that that I could see or find because as you pointed out there's not much vocal like not much to be said within the community about gay straight bi trans cis or whatever it's just not a thing right so the only thing that I could attach to as a kid was oh I'm gay. Mm. So that's one thing that I will spread off and explain. There's a difference between, there's a a kind of what I consider a trifecta, a trifecta Mm -hmm. of somebody's identity. Um, Not the only, but some major parts. There's gender identity, gender expression, Mm -hmm. and sexuality. Okay, break it down for us. They are all mutually exclusive, but they play with each other. Okay. And gender identity is how you present to the world, how the world perceives you, how you want the world to perceive you. So I'm perceived as a woman. Yes. Okay. So your gender expression, I would say, you can confirm this because I can't tell you who you are, is you are a cis woman. Cis woman? What's that? So cis is a term that's created basically so that me and you could share the word woman. Cis, like sister, like S-I-S? Like cisgender, uh, C-I-S. Oh. Cisgender. I've never heard of that before. Pardon my ignorance. I'm learning. Not at all. Okay. No, no, no. no I, ex- I expect always to educate. So you need to write a book and you need to be a public speaker and you need to make sure that this YouTube channel of yours happens. You need to show up on people's podcasts and just completely put yourself out there. You are going to be the face of this shit because you're Middle Eastern. (laughs) Well, there is a lot of, I believe I'll send you so many resources about people who are already talking about like the structure or like the basics of trans stuff. 
but are they Middle Eastern? You're right. My story is what's important. That's what I'm focused exactly. on. No one um, has your story. No one is you, period. Yeah. So that's what I'm focused on. But I was deviating a little just to give you a little bit of understanding. So basically, when you were born, the doctor, the nurse, and your parents looked at your genitalia and said, oh, that's what you are. So they told you, they, meaning society, told you what you are. Uh, if you are, if you agree with that assumption growing up and finding yourself and associating with society, if you agree with that, you are cisgender. If you disagree with that, you are trans. And then okay. trans has a bunch of different labels. And okay. so... So complicated. <laughs> it is, but once you, once you really absorb it, it's, it's so simple. It's so simple. There should be a course. You should just create a digital I'll course. Do I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it specifically catered for Middle Eastern parents, specifically the ones that say, um, that confuse, like my dad who talks with a very thick accent. Oh, my my family, they talk too like that. Yeah, they talk like, <laughs> hi Habibi, how are you? Do you want hummus? Okay. I have the bully. Do you want meat pie? Okay. <laughs> that's my grandma in a nutshell. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's cute. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's a difference between gender identity and then uh, gender expression and then sexual orientation. So sexual orientation is who you love. Gender identity is how you feel within and gender expression is how you present to the world. So you mm. could be a trans woman that is straight. You could be a trans woman that is lesbian. You can be a gay man, cis man, and you can be um, a gay trans man. You can be a straight trans man. We have layers like cis people because people forget, like that's the biggest misconception within the Middle Eastern culture. Any acronym, any label within the LGBTQ plus is labeled as a perversion to uh, Middle Eastern people, majority of them. I, that's a general statement, but a lot of the people that me and you can obviously recognize in our past and who we have associated with. By perversion, I mean they think it's a mental illness. They think it's wrong. And so they often conflate the idea that a gay man will become a woman. So it's very hard to educate because they, they hold it very strong. And honestly, it's not even just a Middle Asian thing, but that, that's why you have like a lot of straight cis men who wouldn't date trans women because they A, have a lot of shame built into their identity and B, um, there's a lot of stigma. They, they, they think it makes them gay if they, they date somebody like me. Dating as a trans person sucks. Aww. Uh, <laughs> it really does. Wait, okay. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I'm curious. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure people that are listening are as well. Sure. So, so are you in? Are you interested in men or women? I am interested in men, but at the same time, if I, um, you know, sexuality is very fluid. So if I ever yeah. can feel that way, um, like that emotional, that romance with a woman, I would never object to it. So that's why you thought you were gay because you were a boy and you were attracted to men. Yes. And because I was living as a Middle Eastern man. Okay. So how old were you when you realized like, hey, something's a little off here. I don't feel yeah. like I'm, meant, I'm supposed to be 
in this body or how, how did you feel? Tell me your thoughts. Yeah. So I have a lot of hindsight moments, which is kind of common with trans people. Um, I can now recognize in my past and childhood when I would have recognized it had I had resources available to me Mm -hmm. to see this kind of stuff. So when I was a four-year-old little boy playing with Barbie dolls, that doesn't make, that doesn't mean that I was obviously in that moment, like, you know, that's a general, that's a stereotype, but at the same time, that's when I could recognize what I was, how I was playing with those dolls was very crucial and was um, an indicator for me personally, how I was playing with them, not the fact that I was playing with them, how I was playing with them. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so I was probably about 26 when I made the Mm. realization. I actually came out as gay to my parents that was the only option because how dare I ever think that I would like it was not even a thought like how could I think I would ever be that it was always like I hope they don't think that I'm going to be like one of those right so, like it's limiting you can't even possibly think that right yeah that that's even possible for you but I even had the built-in stigma in myself too wow I had the, yes oh I wouldn't be one of those right right so it was attacking my ability yeah I hate myself right now for even having to admit this, I have to put this out there. The fact that I was raised to marry mm-hmm. an Assyrian guy, right? So then when I'm pushing the boundaries, the boundaries that I could push were I could marry a white guy mm-hmm. and that's about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can feel that. I don't really have those hangups, I guess, because I've already established with my parents and my family that how dare you think you can control what I want to do with my life. Wow. See, that's why I felt like I had to talk to you. I had to be like, who is this human who has the courage to step outside of this whole bubble that we were raised in? I want to know. It took a lot. Yes. I need, I need to know. I think everyone needs to know that story. I think that is the story. Rita, it took a lot. There are so many women out there and, and men, boys, girls growing up feeling like they can't live their truth. They can't be who they're feeling that they are because their parents and their families, their culture is, is actually blocking them, is limiting them from, from being able to truly be who they believe and feel deep down in their own hearts and their own soul, who they are. Yeah. And, and for me, for example, like if I were attracted to somebody who was of a, a different race or different ethnicity, like mm-hmm. uh, how dare I, how dare I even consider it? Because my mom, my family, everyone, people will talk. Like even being on this mm-hmm. podcast, doing this podcast, speaking about this, I'm bringing shame to my family, don't you know? Yeah. And that's obviously the biggest stigma with dating outside of your race is that they don't want to have mixed bloodlines. That's always the root of it. Right. That's always the root of it. There's that and there's having kids outside of wedlock. Right. Well, that too. Um, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. That's a, that's a very big one. Yeah. It's tough. I am. I have a cousin who got pregnant when she was like 16 in high school. Mm -hmm. And I remember because of my programming, Mm -hmm. let's call it programming. Yeah. Yeah. I remember telling her not to have it. And I remember so many of my friends that were pregnant and I told them not to have it because of the way I was programmed because a, you're not married. Yeah. 
oh my God, you're not married. You can't have a kid. You're not married. Yeah. But then you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Exactly. So the moral of the story is you're going to do what you want to do because it's your life. And what I've learned through my experience. Only if you allow yourself to do what you're going to do and not block yourself. But you got to allow yourself. If you love yourself, if you love yourself, you're going to do what you got to do, right? Well, see, that's the problem. People lack self-love. They're blocked by limiting beliefs and subconscious fears that they have this programming from their Mm -hmm. childhood, right? So for us, for example, being Middle Eastern or just women in general, we have this whole thing where, oh, you have to get married. You have to have kids. Like that's one thing, one layer of the pressure on us that we're supposed to get married. We're supposed to have kids. Yeah. And so then when we don't, there's the pressure of when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? It's like, what if I don't want to? I have to. My grandma asked me that question so much. I think it's part of my history. Like my family is clearly upset. The thing is, though, I can definitely have kids and I can still have kids. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a lot of siblings. I have four siblings and one I just found out was my sibling in March. (laughs) What do you mean you just found out? Uh, I have a a brother who's older than me that apparently I lived around within 10 minutes from for about 15 years of my life that my dad did not know about that he had outside of... Um, before, obviously, before he met my mother. My dad contacted me about it while I was in New York visiting before I decided to move here. I'll tell you what, I was actually, I was confused, but then I was like so happy about it because I was alone for pretty much up until I was 15. My little brother was born when I was 15. And my little, because my dad remarried. Um, my dad yeah. remarried white too. So, huh, look at uh-huh. that. Yeah. So many rules um, being broken yeah. in the family, I guess. Look at that. My, my dad was a bit unconventional. My dad was a black sheep himself, but let me tell you the, the, the coming out story. Cause I feel like that's what, you know, you're waiting for and everybody is wanting, probably wanting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, so when I, I, I knew I, I kind of started to come to terms with it. I moved out of my mom's when I was 15 I moved in with my dad, which was very taboo, very, very um, not okay. Why? I was basically leaving my mother. Oh. Because I was the only child. They split up when I was three. So then I was also like leaving my mom when I was 15 to go live with my dad who had like his own family started. And your mom was going to be alone? Yeah, she's, she lived alone, but like she's still alone. But oh, wow. I had to do that. I really had to do that because had I stayed with her, I would not be where I am today. Your mom is alone till this day. I think I know why. I think she still carries the whole deeply rooted traditions and beliefs. Oh, yes. Like, oh, yeah. She's like extreme Catholic. Um, we've been through. Like you can't remarry. Yeah. She's dating and finding someone new. She would never do that. I've, I recently started asking her about her dating life. I won't reveal that here because she would kill me. Um, but uh, there are still things, like you respect your mom. That's always tradition across all races, right? But yeah, so totally. moving with my dad let me have some freedom. And so then I came out, like it was a, before I moved, I had a, a conversation with a friend. I told them that I was like gay through like um, AOL chat. I was like, I'm gay. And then like, I was processing that with this friend from uh, school while I was living with my mom. And 
they were like, listen, you know, you got to do something for yourself. And like, imagine another teenager being able to say this to you. Can you imagine like the wisdom from somebody like this? And they're like, it may feel like you're going to hit on all time low rock bottom. But Mm. once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere to go but up. Wow. Yeah. And so obviously I learned that later in life, there's more rock bottoms to come, but then there's always more climbing to do, you know? So I moved out. I took the hard pill. I did what I had to do because I needed to grow. I needed to change. Something needed to happen or else I would have, um, my mom hates this. She hates when I talk like this. Um, but I, I would have been a statistic. I would have, I would have killed myself. I really would have killed myself. How old were you when you felt like that? When I could recognize those feelings and have that kind of depression, I probably was like 12 or 13. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had that same thought and those same feelings, but because I was severely bullied. Yeah, that's what happens. Imagine that being at home too, and not my mom, but just feeling like you can't be yourself, feeling trapped within your own body on some level. That is hard but in that time it was more about I confused it for sexuality so when I went to high school somewhere else I started like kind of releasing the information to friends that I made there by the time I grew up and was 22 I was living in Chicago and I led a very promiscuous life what year was this probably 2015 14 2014. I was living in New York at that time. Okay. Wow. Okay. (laughs) And we basically traded spaces. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So when I was in Chicago, I was high on this, like, I'm finally going to be surrounded by people, a lot more people like me because I lived in Boys Town. I got an apartment there. I was like... Do you ever eat at Chicago Diner? I did. It was the vegan place, right? It was so good. Their milkshakes were divine. Get the milkshakes, the freaking wings. Oh. <laughs> I really loved, I wasn't vegan until like the last year of living there. Are you there. vegan now? I'm actually vegetarian now because I fell okay. off when I moved, but now I'm going to go back to being vegan. I just have there my own go. process. I have my process. I go veggie and yeah. then I go vegan. Um, In 2010, I was 100% raw for that whole year. And then following that, I've been vegan ever since. But when I lived in New York and I left my toxic relationship in 2016, I started to dabble in like some dairy, like eggs. I would have eggs Benedict, you know, go out with girls for brunch and (laughs) I had to have eggs Benedict and (laughs) things like that. And then a friend of mine had me tap into some seafood here and there, but it was just like gross and made me like, so I couldn't do it. But yeah. Uh, by the time I was actually vegan, I was, um, I had moved around so much throughout Chicago and it was kind of almost like I was vegan cause I knew it would cost a lot less cause I would eat a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, and people say that it's expensive to eat healthy. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can catch both perspectives, but honestly, it's not as it's, it's just as expensive even more. So if you count the toll that your body goes through when you're not eating healthy in general, like fact. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's, it's more expensive to get sick. So boom. Exactly. There you go. Anyway. So yeah. So you're in Chicago and you started releasing information and you're in your early twenties. Are you at this point still presenting as a man? Yeah. I'm still presenting as a man, still presenting as a gay man. Okay. Still identifying as a gay man. Cause I had no idea what the fuck was my, was going through my head. Um, I thought coming out as gay when I 
when I, um, I remember this day so vividly, I got a new job and literally before I went in for orientation, I told my mom over the phone that I was gay and she freaked out on me and had like such a visceral reaction. Um, I think she may have known. I think everybody knows on some level. Well, yeah, they all kind of know, but they don't want to talk about it. So, but I confirmed it for them, which gave them, it, my mom was more so angry how I told her. She she was upset that I didn't have courtesy to tell her face to face, but it was like, when you are any part of the acronym, it is not up to the parents how they get told. Hmm. It is however the child feels safe wow. to tell you. That's that should so be powerful right there. Mm-hmm. I love that. that. Did you guys hear that? Say it one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> you have every right to have a re- whatever feelings or reaction you're going to have, but it's not about how the child tells you. It's about them feeling safe enough to tell you in whatever way they decide to do that. So that's what should be respected. But uh, whatever, we went through that with my mom and um, that actually sparked a very big divide between me and her. By that point, I was mm. just, in, my, in the eyes of my mom and my dad, I'm just making dumb decisions across the board, not only with my, like, my life and what I'm doing with who I'm loving and um, what I'm doing with work. I'm, I'm a huge disappointment. They don't want to say it, but I felt such euphoria when mm. I told my mom, after I told my mom, and then that euphoria quickly went away, and I was left feeling the same way that I did before. I came to terms with it and I was just in so much awe. Yeah. I made such bad decisions financially. I had to move back home in with my dad. And when I did that, that was a blessing in disguise. It was a blessing in disguise. I needed to leave. I needed to refocus. I realized I was running away from my problems in Michigan by moving to another state. I was running away thinking that being gay and living in in the atmosphere of all a bunch of other gay men and queer culture, I thought that doing that and finding love at 10 minutes at a time, you know, like what I, I've never been in an actual long-term relationship, even till this day. And I've had a lot of unreciprocated love. I've had just, uh, unfortunately, just recently, uh, coming out of a really, really, really bad situation. Damn, we have a lot in common. This is crazy. We do. Yeah, we have a lot in common. That's a whole That's a whole book on its own, let alone a damn chapter. Girl, who are you telling? I, I thought <laughs> I was with the love of my life. I just left in April. Good for you for loving yourself enough to do that because that's, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, it was not easy. It was, it's really it was hard. definitely the hardest thing I ever had to do. Yeah. And I've, I've been um, through some pretty hard shit. For sure. So by the time I moved back, I was kind of um, lost. I felt like I had no career. I had nothing going for me. I always called myself an artist. And I went to Chicago to be an actor, uh, kept working the grind, never got to that always had an excuse for everything, not taking opportunities that I should have taken. I was just not even to do with just my sexuality, but my life was in chaos when I got back. And um, I started watching, I I had always, me and my stepmom have a beautiful relationship. Um, My stepmom is the first person I ever told uh, when I was uh, like thinking that I was gay, I told them. And so they they were kind of like one of my biggest supporters. Um, And really held space for me knowing how hard it would be for both my parents to do that for me. Mm. So 
when I moved back, it was kind of, uh, it was really hard. We would watch uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and I started to kind of see the artist that I was in, in um, this one drag queen called Sasha Velour. And very avant-garde, very artsy, chaotic, very like regal at the same time. I just saw so much of my artistic ability in them that it made me want to do drag. The biggest mis misconception is that drag queen, if you do drag, you're trans, you're not, although it was started by trans people. Wow. Um, it's now a bunch of cis gay men who dominate the market, aka RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, <laughs> but when I did drag, I painted my face, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I got done up. I don't know how the fuck I saw the woman in me because I looked like an alien half the time. I don't know how I saw it, but when you first start out, you kind of start with the basics like you do with makeup. And about a year into that, I started to have a lot of conflicting feelings of it because then I started to realize, okay, well, there are drag queens around me right now who don't want to be a drag queen while having sex. And maybe there are some that do that anyway, but like that's not really for, you know, that's a whole different thing. That's cross-dressing. Um, oh, and then how about having sex before marriage? How about that? Well, I kind of... Middle Eastern. <laughs> I am very sexually liberated, okay? Uh-huh. Are you kidding? Sex is a woman's need as much as it is a man's. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to realize that I wanted to be some version of my alter ego, which was called Ruby with an I. And I wanted to be some level of that, but every day. I actually have a short story. I'll send it to you. That pretty much gives you what I was feeling throughout Chicago and everything. I, I'll send it to you. Awesome. I'll add it in the show notes. It's called Rose Colored Boy. Oh, that's a cute title. <laughs> Thank you. So when I started to process this information, it was really getting to me. I ended up having to perform one night and I went to the venue. This is in Michigan? Yeah, in Michigan. Yeah, Ann Arbor. There's such a vibrant scene there. So I go there and I started having this queer community, like having all of the things, like imagine you are freaking out, learning all about this. I was there too. I, I was a gay man and I had like understood all of that stuff, you know? And when I say I was that, that's how I was presenting. So like there's, there's, um, that, that's my history. I'm not mad at it. I'm not ashamed of that. That's how it was for that time. Um, but when I started to really process and understand what was going on to my brain and really learn about what it is to be trans, my, my brain was like hurting. Imagine finding out that your whole life is a lie and that there was this, this possibly quick answer for it this whole time. And it terrifies you because you know that it's gonna be one of the most stressful and maybe even dangerous things to reveal to your family who is Middle Eastern, like deadly. Like I thought I was going to be in the middle of Michigan thrown out and stoned to death by all of my family members. Like I thought that's what was going to happen to me. Yeah. And, and see people hearing this right now, they don't, if, unless you're Middle Eastern, like you really don't understand how serious it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. It's like, we have built in trauma 
based off of what we hear happens when we say back home, we mean like the country of origin, right? Right. And so you have this perception of how your family is going to react to anything that's taboo and unacceptable. I actually, and I have never really um, put this out there, but... Is this an exclusive? Kind of, yeah. Like all of my close circle knows this, but I haven't revealed it. Like my parents obviously know, but when... I went to this venue this one night that I was supposed to perform. I didn't perform. I ended up drinking a lot. I ended up having, um, I did wait. And to be honest with you, my, uh, my alcohol level was below this, what it needed to be. But in Michigan, they have this thing where they can get you for 0.02 to 0.07 alcohol content. There's like a technicality. They can give you the lowest version of a DUI. And I ended up getting a DUI. And I had never really abused alcohol up until that point. I never really um, let something like that affect me. In Chicago, I was using marijuana a lot, right? Because who doesn't smoke, right? Uh, But at the same time, I was always able to like draw back. I ended up moving home because I realized, oh, I'm, I'm falling on certain things. I need to go figure my shit out. But in this sense, something happened and I ended up on probation and having an arraignment and everything. And as soon as I had that happen, it was, I was wide awake. I was like, I'm getting a therapist. I'm going to a gender therapist, one that, um, that specializes in gender studies and all of that. And we're going to figure this out. And then no shit, like two or three weeks later, because I'm, I'm a fast, I'm a fast person. When I am processing shit, I will literally figure shit out in like a week or two. Like I will get over shit. I love you. So, <laughs> oh, I love you. Do you understand how we are the <laughs> same? First of all, let me tell you, uh, um, I also have a DUI. Oh, wow. Long story short, we'll just do it. I was on a date. And I had three Cosmos, didn't know how strong they were. I'm like young, new to drinking, right? And so I gave him my (laughs) keys for him to drive because he only had one beer. We get into an argument and he drops himself off and gives me my keys to me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm 10 minutes away. I can get home. I end up blacking out and I'm just driving blindly on the freeway, blacked out. And apparently I hit something and kept driving because when I woke up, I'm driving on the freeway. I wake up like, what? is happening. Oh my God. And I pull myself over and my windshield is shattered. My airbags are deployed there. I'm lucky to be alive. But so for you to, for that to have happened to you and for that, to, it's a wake up call. It is. It's not, I don't even want to call it a wake up call. Remember how I told you earlier, everything happens for you, not to you. It's a conscious call. Yeah. It's a mental, like, oh, I was crying for help and I went to the, I, I ended up in this extreme situation and I never want to, I don't want to ever get into this situation again. That's a really good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way of putting it. I also believe that God or the universe or whatever it is for you was like, okay, you're not listening. Mm-hmm. So you're not paying attention. Right. So here you go. Yeah. And then no, that had to that happen. Is... And then the next thing that came was exactly what was meant for you. The next thing that came was exactly what was meant for you. Yeah. And it got you to where you are now. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, that gave me my woke up call for sure. And mm-hmm. I started hormones. Um, so by my arraignment, uh, my DUI happened sometime in 
between October and November. And by the time I was arraigned for it, it was the following year. So by January, February, I had already been going to therapy. Um, I had, by the, by the second week of my therapy, I like was like, hey guys, my name is Nova. That's my name. Where'd you get that from? It's beautiful, by the way. It's one that I always held to me. I didn't realize why, but um, I love space. I'm always enamored by space. And I also was going to name my child that. I love it. Um, yeah, that I was, Nova was going to be their name, whether it was a boy, girl, or non-binary, doesn't matter. Um, but then I was like, no, I want to, that it fits for me. Also, of course, I would name myself after a star that would explode, but then also give birth to life. I love it. That's what a supernova is. A supernova is, is the sun, and it explodes. And then when a sun explodes, it's basically exploding um, material out, and space uses that material to form planets again. Beautiful. And what about XERA? That was literally just me being an artist and finding something that matched Nova. And I only did that because when things were a little rough between me and my dad over everything, because of the stigma that Middle Eastern families have, I had to change my last name, Um, which I bet they all kind of, at least I think my dad kind of regrets telling me to do that because I'm no longer sharing his last name. Nova Zara. That's hot. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. I still can't believe you're Chaldean. This is insane. Like my mind is still blown. (laughs) I'm looking at you right now and I'm just like, how? How is this real? This is crazy. You are so brave. You are so courageous. You are seriously like you should be so proud of yourself. Every single day, I hope you wake up and look in the mirror and go, you're a bad bitch because you are so badass. Like when I came online with you, the first thing I said to you was what? Hey, badass. Hey, badass. (laughs) Yes. Like, I want you to look in the mirror every day and go, hey, badass. Like, (laughs) will you promise me? Will you do that every morning? Yes, I'll do that. Yes. It's more (laughs) for you than for me, but I love the idea of you waking up every morning and looking in the mirror and going, hey, badass, I'm going to get you some flowers today, you fucking badass. I want you to look yourself in the mirror and have a conversation with yourself. I want you to stand in front of the mirror, just look at yourself dead in your eyes and tell you, I love you. You're a badass. Mm -hmm. And buy yourself some flowers. Every single woman, every man, every whoever is listening, do that for yourself because our negative self-talk is so brutal. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's what we pick up from childhood. It's what we pick up from people we come across. Like even if somebody criticizes you, it sticks in your brain. And so having self-affirmations, saying you're a badass, saying I'm beautiful. That's actually what I had to do as part of my journey because I was going through a lot of self-hatred, of course, as one does when they don't know their identity. You must have been so confused and scared. And For so long I was. Um, one oh. of the first things that a friend of mine did for me was tell me to look in the mirror and find one thing to appreciate about yourself. And I started with my eyes because I, 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 I loved my eyes. They, they were like, that's the one thing that 
I could see me in, right? Like that's the one thing I could recognize of myself, which is very interesting as a trans person to, if I think about it now, I'm just realizing this. I gravitated towards my eyes because it's the one thing that I knew didn't need to change. Oh my God, that's dope. I love that. And you know, that's the one thing that like we really get that's a plus from being Middle Eastern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Middle Eastern women, we're fucking beautiful. I mean, yeah, 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 we might go through a hairy phase when we're young, but like. <laughs> I was very hairy. They call, okay, so you remember how I told you I was severely bullied? Mm -hmm. You know what they called me? No, I don't want to know. It was sad. Oh no. What did <laughs> they called me Teen Wolf? <gasps> no. I know. Well, look at you yeah. now, though. Look at you now. You could be on Teen Wolf. Are you kidding? I know. Eat your heart out, mother. <laughs> <laughs> For short, they called me TW. They saw me walking past them and they would howl at me like a wolf. And if I'm walking through the gravel across the yard, A-T-W, oh, my gosh. And I'm the sweetest, nicest 12-year-old you've ever met in your life. Teacher's pet, people pleaser, oh. just wanted you to like me. Like I was yeah. good and innocent and just a big giant heart. Both my parents have huge hearts and they're such good people. And like they'd give the shirts off their backs and all that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that was crazy that that was my childhood. I wanted to drop out of elementary school and transfer schools. Ugh. or so. It was brutal. Their I went home crying are brutal because they every just day. say what's on their mind. Yeah. Yeah. I went home crying every single day. Every day. I, I would have to walk home from my school to my mom's house, like where, where we were living. I would have apples thrown at me. No. Yeah. Because like... I not only, like, I basically, I mean, when you're a Middle Eastern, you, you get this. Whenever you're doing something against the grain, you're kind of always coming out of the closet with something. Mm. But the big ones for me, like, I came out, like, quite a bit. Moving out of my mom's, um, you know, coming out as gay and then coming out as trans. And then basically also, in general, coming out as, fuck, you're... Uh, the box you want to put me in. The box, your Chaldean roles that you want to put me yeah. in. Fuck all of that. You brought me to America because for some reason you thought there was a life here for me. <laughs> Guess what? I'm going to find my life and I'm going to do that and you're not going to get mad at me. They regret that shit when they come here. Oh, they, they do. regret they it. Regret they all regret it. They regret it. They're like, oh, we should have taken you back. And they're like, uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I don't live there. I live now. So bye. <laughs> I don't know how many times my mom goes, I, if we were in studio, <laughs> like, we're not though so like, we're not and i'm making the best of what i can you know and thank <laughs> god for that but because i was living so um closely to one identity that made sense to me yeah. i was also bullied from that you know and i mean i remember in high school i um i i walked across past this gym door and this sign that was posted up there that was drawn by another student and it had like the um the tricks are for kids rabbit on there but it said silly faggot dicks are for chicks <gasps> yeah like that's the kind of stuff that I like had to endure on top of that were you the only person in the school that you knew of that was going through this trans probably uh <laughs> no actually no uh one of my best friends um 
his name was Sam. He passed away actually. Um, Bef- in 2012 uh, he has actually a huge influence on me as far as being able to live my life um, how can I ask how did he pass he uh, got in a car accident he was going to a downtown area and there was a back from what I understand it, I think it I don't know this is the story that I was told was mm. that he um, there was a traffic and uh, a I guess a pile up on the highway and he didn't realize that they were stopped and he drove into the back of a semi. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough when you're driving fast and you can't slow yourself down and you don't see what's ahead. Um, Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm curious. See, see, that's what I mean is like when I ask questions, it's, it's like what people are wondering, but they're scared to ask. Well, that's the point of, I mean, I know what I'm signing up for and I'll tell you if I'm uncomfortable. I'm usually, but I'm, I'm, I'm such an open book that nothing really affects me. So, me too. Um, unless I have an emotional tie to it. And yet another thing we have in common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like my coming out story, there's, it's so nuanced. There's so much that goes into it that I want to say, but my mom was um, actually diagnosed with breast cancer um, while no. I was in like four months into transitioning. Oh my God. And I had to tell her actually, wait, so you, she didn't know yet. She hadn't known, uh, yet, but four months before that point, I knew she had cancer and we were kind of working through that. How is she now? She's good. She's, um, close. I, I'm hoping she's close to remission, but she had her surgery and everything. So can I tell you something about health really quickly? Yeah. This being the trading raw stories, like the title trading raw stories is obviously raw stories, like actual stories that are raw and real. And just that's a, that's Mm -hmm. the big thing. At the same time, I was raw vegan in 2010 and me being turning, like me going through that process, it, it like was my spiritual awakening. It it shook me to my core. It made me open my eyes. At the same time, my mind became more clear and my, my power from within was turned on because I tapped into the power that was just Mm -hmm. like brain fog. Like when you, when you put nourishing things in your body, your mind starts to work at its most optimal level. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. What you feed your your body, you feel you, you feed your soul. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love you. Okay. <laughs> so here's something interesting that I want you to to think about, and this is what I try to explain to people that are sick. Your mind is so powerful mm-hmm. that you can turn on illness and turn it off with your mind. Mm-hmm. And so when you're nourishing your body with the right foods, raw fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, green juices, all that, great. But if you are sad and you're stressed and you're angry Mm -hmm. and you're resentful and you're carrying all these negative vibrational energies in your body, you're making yourself sick. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because I have a friend whose parents are older. Mm -hmm. His dad is now sick and in his nineties, like at the tail end, like can't even care for himself. Like he's now like a baby needs to be taken care of. Like, you know, when you go through the cycle of life, you start off as a baby needing to be diapered and taken care of. And then Mm -hmm. you end up being diapered and taken care of. Yeah. You were so that's where, yeah, exactly. And so that's where he is right now. 
and his his mom is now so sick in her 70s out of nowhere mm. unexpectedly sick cancer well, has a few months maybe to a year left mm -hmm. how out of nowhere wow out of nowhere it's because she's watching her husband the love of her life deteriorate it's making her sad mm -hmm. It's a low vibrational energy that she's carrying every single day, stress, sadness, whatever it is. So yeah. it's making her sick. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder mm -hmm. if something similar is happening with your mom for her to develop cancer like that. I wouldn't put it past it. Life happens and paths have to go the way that they're going to go. But um, my mom... I love her so much, but one of, I think one of her personally, one of her biggest struggles is taking care of herself. And there was me leaving and me coming out and me not, and me being lost. Cause like, you know, as a parent, they're in pain cause you're in pain when it, so if you're ever hurt from a relationship, feeling sick or whatever, your mom is just going to like always take that on, especially an Arabic mom. They don't know how to. I don't know how to. I, I learned it so much from my mom that I do so much that she does mm -hmm. that I sometimes don't even put myself first. It's really scary how we're raised subconsciously yeah. watching our moms do what they do because mm -hmm. then we learn it. Yeah. Attachment styles. I think everybody mm -hmm. has codependent tendencies, but at the same time, when it comes to experiences with mothers like this who are very selfless but also in their nature they also don't really let you have your identity so what happens is you don't know how to relate to the world as you are you just see everything as a reflection yeah. of you so then unfortunately right. you become a servant to everything around you rather than a servant to yourself it's like you're not even living your own life yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're living the life that you're supposed to live because of your culture. Or yeah, what you think people need. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're meeting the needs of others rather than meeting the needs of your own. So what advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this, who's feeling all sorts of confused in who they are, what they're supposed to be, or who they want to be, who they know themselves to be, who they're supposed to be according to their culture, according to their parents, according to whatever society what would you mm -hmm. say to them to empower them to live their truth? Oh. oh, man. I would say forgive yourself for not knowing yourself. And then I would say find something in the mirror that you like about yourself and go from there. And tell yourself you're a badass. <laughs> and tell yourself you're a badass and that it's okay to feel lost and that it's okay to meet your needs and it's okay to think of yourself. Wow, I love that. Man. That was good. That was powerful. I feel like anyone who's listening felt that big time. <laughs> I think people go through growing growth phases, you know, and when you plateau, you're not growing. And it's usually because of outside factors or when you're out of touch with yourself. Or when you're in a comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Also known as a, a cycle or a habit. Mm, pattern. Pattern. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in those patterns. You're not usually not serving yourself. Um, you're not picking up on red flags around you. 
you're not listening to yourself. Listen to your body, listen to yourself, your feelings. I think, oh, one of the biggest things that you could do is literally let yourself feel things. Mm-hmm. Let yourself feel, exist in the moment, be in your feelings. Don't stay in there too long, but be in your feelings so that you can recognize them and so that you can say, okay, this is how I feel. It is what it is. This is how I feel. Then what do you do with that? Well, then you learn acceptance. Then once you understand your feelings, you can move on. You can't move forward without changing habits. So how do you change habits if you don't understand what you're feeling? If you understand the why, why are you doing what you're doing because of how you feel? You just got to like listen to yourself, basically. And so if you're battling an identity crisis, if you think you're trans, first of all, odds are if you have to ask yourself, you probably are. Ooh, <laughs> one more time for the people in the back. One more time. If you, if, you, if you have to ask yourself, you probably are. Same with being gay, lesbian, if you poly, whatever you want to, like, whatever you're wondering. If you have to ask, you probably are. <laughs> Do you think that applies to other things in life? Yeah, 100%. Like racism. <laughs> wow, if you think you're racist, you are. Uh, well, I think I think everyone is racist. And I don't mean that as like an argumentative phrase. I think that because we live in a white controlled society, um, everyone is racist because we're all conditioned to the system that's oppressing those who don't have power. I see. So, yeah. so we are all in conjunction racist because of having a set of privileges in society compared to someone else. There's rampant racism within the Middle Eastern culture, and I often call my family out on it all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're battling something, a decision, a choice, an identity, you just have to really listen to yourself and listen to what you want and what you need to be happy, your quality of life. You live once. You really live once. You really live once. Yeah. Once. You don't live twice. You don't get, I mean, you don't remember living twice if if you believe in reincarnation, but you don't remember it. So you theoretically really just live once. So what else are you going to (laughs) do? I've said this so many times you really have only one life. Mm -hmm. And when I meet a woman who's in a toxic relationship or like just, you can see she's unhappy or miserable or suffering or something. I'm like, this is what I ask. Do you really want this to be your life? Mm -hmm. That's real. You have to ask yourself the tough questions so you can move forward. I feel like you kind of get the gist of my, my, my coming out story. I told my mom at my four month mark of four months, cause I knew my body was going to continue to change and it would have been hard because I was, I was still hiding who I was to my family and then, and then presenting as a woman outside of my family. And so at some point I just like, as long as I told my parents, I didn't give a shit about anybody else, you know, and you know how stigmas go within Middle Eastern families. So like, they're going to talk anyway, they're going to find out in their own way they can go live their life gossiping behind my back. That's fine. They can, they can pretend that they're open to me being in their life and then never talk to me, never acknowledge me and expect me to do that for them. They expect me to call them. I have a wonderful relationship with my mom's side of family, but my dad's side of family, I had to really come to a lot of acceptance. And at this point, I'm, I'm, my door is wide open to them. Whenever they are ready, I love them. I want them to be in my life and I 
want them to see how wonderful I am without expecting me to be like something else, whatever in their head, whatever idea of me that they have in their head. It's, it's not what they think. They, they should give me a chance because I'm ready to let them see my life. That was the whole problem with me and my family overall was that I was too afraid to be myself around them. And because of that, they didn't get to transition with me. And that's kind of something that sucked. I kind of took everything in my own hands and transitioned and just was like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna do what I want, which is fine. I needed to do that. But I also recognized that I didn't give them an opportunity to grow with me and, and experience who I was becoming and who I am. In a, in a bunch of different ways, you know, leaving my mom, going to Chicago, kind of like living the American lifestyle to, in their eyes, being Americanized, meaning separating from parents and going living your life, but then also transitioning without telling them, without, you know, like there is a sense of, they're probably like, what the hell, who is this person? Like, who are they? That's fine. And I'm ready for them to, I've already started the process of reaching out and making amends and being open to rebuild those connections that are, that are healthy for you. That is the most adult thing that you can do. Wow. Two things right there that we have in common yet again, my Mm -hmm. dear. So the one thing is I moved out. I left when I was 17 years old and I lived on my own and you're not supposed to do that. You know, in Middle Eastern Mm -hmm. culture, you're supposed to stay, stay home until you get married and then you move out. Yeah. I left when I was 17 and partly because my dad beat me black and blue and partly because I had a job. Mm -hmm. I was making really good money. I had my own car. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to live at home. And I wanted my own for, I didn't want to share a house with so many people. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, so then I moved out and after I moved out, I ended up working on Vans Warped Tour. I lived in Vegas. I lived in Arizona. Mm -hmm. I lived in New York. I moved back to Chicago briefly. Now I live in California. So like I've not really been in Chicago, living in Chicago in a decade. Yeah, good for you. So no one has, I've I've grown into the woman that I am. I've transitioned, if you will, mm-hmm. into many versions of myself. I tried on mm-hmm. different versions of myself. I broke myself down into little itty bitty pieces mm-hmm. and became the woman that I am today. And I still have layers that I'm peeling back. Yeah. Like, you know, the fear of judgment and the fear of being seen and breaking my mom's yeah. heart and coming out and saying things yeah. that I'm saying on this podcast that are going to embarrass yeah. her and whoever hears this. You and know that's what I mean? just it right there is that understanding that part of life is understanding that you're always growing and you're always learning and you're always shifting and you're always molding and you're always becoming. Yep. So and that's what we, that's how we described you in the very beginning of the podcast. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that's one thing. So we both kind of like left and grew up outside of our families. Mm-hmm. We didn't let them grow with us, but we needed to leave to grow. You have to understand that. Well, it's kind of hard to grow when you have people scrutinizing you the whole time. Yes. So, yes. and whether or not they will admit that they're doing it or admit in how, in how, whether or not they'll recognize how they'll do it. Yeah. Because a lot of times they'll be like, what are you talking about? We love you. We want you mm. to be happy and all of that. And you're like, that's, that's fine. But I can see it in your eyes, yeah. the judgment. The judgment, that's, the pressure, yeah. 
yeah, definitely. You know, and you and you know damn well that I'm doing something that you're expecting me not to do because it's not what you're doing and what you were told to do. Right. It's not it's not by your rules yeah. or the way you were raised or the way yeah. that you expected me to be. Yeah. They didn't know what was coming to them when I turned into a teenager. Like they had no idea. They were they're like they like, cause I was always like the quiet, everybody always loved like, oh, you're such a sweet little person. You're so nice. I was also the kid that people compared their kids to like, compared me to their, like, you should be like this person. Why can't you be more like her and all wow. of that. And once I got my mouth working, <laughs> it was done. It was done. My mom was like, who the hell are you? Why are you talking back at me? I'm like, I'm not. I'm, oh. Mom, I'm sticking up for myself. Okay, well, <laughs> like, tone it down. Oh my and so, I love it. That's I can't dope. say that I was rational throughout the whole thing, but like, you know, I went through what I went through. Oh, you had to, yeah, what you, I, you had to go through it. What I wanted to tell you that I realized today, though, I'm excited oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. this because yeah, yeah, yeah. it has a lot to do with growing and shifting and uh, patterns and cycles. And so specifically coming out of like a very toxic relationship, whether it's with a friend, a romantic partner, a parent, um, a family member or, or um, an acquaintance or like an uncle, it doesn't matter. Or a combination of all of those. I'm out of the relationship. When you're coming out of something toxic or something very unhealthy, I noticed this in, in myself first and I noticed this in women. And some men too. When you're breaking out of a relationship, you go through the heartbreak. Do you ever notice that you bounce back up and you start doing things almost like a trauma response? You start doing things that are the, are, is everything you've ever wanted to do. Like that's why you maybe notice like somebody changes their hair after a relationship. Um, now all of a the sudden they're starting to go do take a let's say you wanted to do yoga and now they're doing yoga oh you mean like how i started my podcast and I yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah and so like exactly let's say you're you're just <laughs> doing things for yourself because you know you love to do them or yeah. you're getting your dreams started and you're doing that ever notice how that shit stops yep. when someone comes into your life and you start feeling like you're in love with them or you're you, you lose yourself so you lose yourself in that person. Yes. That person is not meant for you. That is a red flag. <gasps> That's my biggest problem. When that happens, that is a red flag. The person that you meet that you are supposed to be in love with or other people, because there's relationship dynamics where you can date more than one, you know, when you meet someone and you are not losing yourself, in fact, you are becoming yourself tenfold because of this person. That is when that person's meant for you. Damn. You keep saying things that I want to be like, say one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> no, really though, I can't with you right now because I was just talking about this yesterday, how like I lose myself in whoever I'm dating. Mm -hmm. And it's because I was raised to be of service to whoever I'm with. 
I cater, I cook, I clean, I do all the mm -hmm. things like I'm old school and whatever. And I'm just like, that's just me. And I'm a giver. My love languages, acts of service. And that's just me. But I suffer. I put all my things last. Mm -hmm. I stopped doing my bubble baths. I stopped yeah. buying myself flowers. I expect the person to buy me flowers. Like I've been buying myself flowers every yeah. Sunday for years. Why did I stop? Because I expect you to do it for me now? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, the other part of what I realized too is that we're always, it's not just about, oh, when this person comes into your life, this is what it'll be like. This is what the red flag is. We don't recognize that that is what we need to be doing. The in-between part, the stuff that you're doing for yourself. While you're with the person? Forget the person. The point is forget the person. <laughs> that phase it's usually short because someone finds another bad cycle. Do you ever notice that? It's, it's usually mm -hmm. short. It's, it's maybe lasts like a month or two and then you start talking to somebody else and all of a sudden you're losing yourself again. Keep that going. That is who you are. The in-between is who you the are. The thing is that people that do that, you don't, I think it's because you don't love yourself enough by yourself that you seek it in someone else and when you find someone who will allow you to attach to them you like sink your claws yeah. in and you're like oh yay it could also be that yeah. both can be true but at the same time i think it's more so because we all think that we need validation and love or like we all just get i think it's more so we just get wrapped into the wrong people and that detracts us and it's not so much that you don't love yourself because getting yourself out of that situation is the most strongest form of love self-love that you can do is getting yourself out of that i think my my point is, is you've you've heard this time and time again when someone says to you oh just focus on yourself and it'll come what they're talking about is that little phase where you're trying to get over the heartbreak and you're like almost passionately going after your dreams and yourself that's, that's, that's what they mean. That is focusing on yourself. That's what that is manifested. And you just need to do that. I need to do that. I'm recognizing that for myself. That's what I learned. You know, we teach what we most need to learn ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And what you just said hit my heart. Like it, it's exactly what I needed to hear because I just went through that and I keep repeating this pattern. I think that you and I connected and found each other, not just for the the external, like everyone who's going to find this podcast, but I think right. I needed you and I think you needed me. Same. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> it was very cosmic. I love cosmic. this. I love this. Yeah. Oh, so crazy. Oh. The magic. I love it. I didn't know what to expect, but I also was really happy to feel excited. The unknown. The unknown. Yeah. Yes. Which is, I think, what a lot of people are afraid of. But yes. anyway, yeah. <gasps> no, wait, go back. That's that's what it is. I did a podcast episode with mm -hmm. Erica Lynn just the other night, and we were talking about how people are afraid of the what if, how they're afraid of the what the unknown, how they expect negative outcomes, how they expect the worst thing, the worst possible outcomes to come. 
and they're, they don't say yes to things. They say no out of fear. They don't step outside their comfort zone. They're staying little familiar, little bubble, little safe zone. And their life is the same. There's so many people that live like 10, 20 minutes from where they grew up. So I encourage women to like break out of relationships. Like you don't need a man. Stop putting yourself in this form, in this little bubble, like you're in this relationship and this is your identity. Why don't you love yourself first? Be a woman first. Go discover who you are. Explore your passions. Explore your purpose. Figure, Just play with the unknown. Right. Say yes to shit. Do scary shit. The thing that makes you uncomfortable, yeah. the thing that makes you go, no, I could never do that, but I want to, but I can't, but I want to, but I can't do it. You need to be alone. You need to just do you love yourself hard as hell and just explore and become the woman you're meant to be mm -hmm. and just step into that and don't be scared and like do it. For example, with the whole like unknown, what to expect. I don't know. Maybe right. like this random person hit me up and said what she wants me to be on her podcast. Like, oh no, yeah. I don't know. Maybe not. But instead you said yes. Yeah. And now this is going to open doors for you that you have no idea no clue what's to come. Yeah, something's cracked open, but we'll find out what. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's meant to be. Yeah, I can see the light peeking through the crack. Yeah. Everything happens for you, not to you. I always say I love this. That. Yeah. The universe always says yes. Yes. Oh my God. We just said that in the last episode. I know. I, 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 I Oh, you heard <laughs> I, it. I listened to it. Yes. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm so happy. So I'm glad that you, you liked it. That's dope. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, it made me feel so good when I found you because I was like, holy shit, this is bigger. What you're doing, coming out as trans, as a Chaldean, Arabic, what have you, person is crazier than anything yeah. anyone could do in any Middle Eastern culture, I think. Right. I was really excited when I, I discovered you as a human on this planet, doing what you're doing ever so bravely. I, I'm, I commend you. I'm inspired by you. And I seriously feel like I had to get your story out to show you to whoever's going to find my podcast, be like, look, this beautiful Middle Eastern human is speaking and living their truth out of all the fear and judgment and the garbage that we're raised with, you're like, uh-uh, I'm going to be me. You're going to love me. You're going to hate me. This is me. At the same time, I do also subtly recognize the dangers there because sometimes I do worry about what would happen to some family that still live back home, what would happen to them because that seems to be the fear that's instilled by some of my other family members, oh, we know what would happen to us if people found out. Oh, that breaks my heart. There is that subtle fear, but um, I tend not to think, I, I do what I do, but I tend not to think about it. Cause like, if I do, I mean, it's like, it's like adding anxiety when I shouldn't worry about it, but. That really breaks my heart. It's like almost trying to guilt trip you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause they're ashamed. Shame. Yes. Yeah. My next, my next YouTube oh. video is going to be about shame. That's my next topic, actually. It's going to be Ooh, about shame. That's going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. I love you so much. I'm so grateful because you've inspired me. And I know for a fact whoever's going to hear this is going to be inspired. Thank you so much. It was an honor. It was such a blessing. I adore you. Next time I'll bring my song, Sex Voice, for the, for the podcast. Let's hear it right I now. I don't want to do it.
<laughs> Come on, you tease. No, my mom might be listening. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love you. You're a freaking hoot. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later, sweetie. Okay, bye. Bye. Buy yourself some flowers. I will. I will. will. (laughs) Tell yourself you're a badass in the mirror. Oh my God, I will. And you post your pictures of your flowers and tag me. I will. will. I'll do it Sunday for self-care Sunday. Self-care Sunday. Buy yourself flowers. All right, girlfriend. You are a badass. I love you. Bye. Bye. As Nova Zara would say, damn, Gina. That was legit such a good episode. Holy crap. I still have chills from it. My goodness. Um, so you can find Nova Zara on Instagram at N-O-V-A-X-E-R-A. I'm going to link it in the show notes. And she's got a YouTube channel, so I'll also link that. And I'm going to attach or upload the uh, Rose Colored Boy um, short story that she mentioned as well. So you can definitely get all of that. And I will link everything in the show notes. And I'm so excited for you to connect with her. She is a badass and super inspiring and all the things. So yeah, I've got some takeaways for you, but I'm sure you got a lot on your own. So let me share what I've got with you. You ready? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Okay, here we go. Number one, we're put in a box, but it's a cardboard box. So bust through that shit and live this one life fully as your authentic self. Number two, you are special. God doesn't make mistakes. No one has your story and no one can be you, honey period. So live it. Be you. Do you, boo-boo. Number three, sexual orientation is who you love. Gender identity is how you feel within. And gender expression is how you present yourself to the world. So love who you love. Feel how you feel. And show the world who you are unapologetically. Did I sound creepy? (laughs) Number four, forgive yourself for negative thoughts and feelings. Find something in the mirror that you like about yourself. Tell yourself you're a badass and get yourself some flowers. Number five, it's okay to feel lost and confused or stuck. Just honor your feelings. Love and put yourself first. Let yourself feel the feelings. Accept them and let them pass. And number six, instead of worrying and expecting the worst, try being excited about the unknown and expect miracles. Everything is working out for you. Believe that. Number seven, you only have this one life, so make it count and live out loud. Well, that's it for the takeaways, guys. And that's it for this episode of the Trading Raw Stories podcast. I am your girl, Rita Pira, and you can find me on Instagram at rawveganrita or at Trading Raw Stories. I'm going to link everything in the show notes. If you don't mind, please go and Give this show a good old five stars, please, pretty please, with a cherry on top. Go and leave a review. I would love to know what you think of it. I'd love to know what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. Um, Yeah, so just uh, check us out uh, every Tuesday. And uh, that's about it. So have a great night, morning, evening, whatever. (laughs) I gotta go. I'm delirious. Gotta get up early in the morning. Okay, bye.